Are you starting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Black and White TV. I'm Jamila Millette. And I'm Sean Cooper. And you are joining us today and beyond today to talk about topics that tend to divide us, tend to be very divisive at times, tend to be very black and white. However, we lean into Sean's sweatshirt, and that's the gray. The right? gray. We lean into it. Um, so we talk about things... And then we talk about the challenges of said things. We talk about things that might be a little awkward, uncomfortable. Um, we challenge ourselves, and we also challenge you to lean in. Totally. I mean, if you think about it, in a lot of places in our lives, you need black and white. You want decisions to be either yeah. this there or that. There are things that are Yeah, they up, need to like, be. Totally. That's wrong. That's right. <laughs> but it also seems in the complex culture that we live in today, we want to make things either or black and white. Mm. I'm and, right, you're wrong. And it's not always that way. Right. So, well, typically I am right. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. So what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about letters. Okay. Similar to Sesame Street, except not. I love letters. <laughs> Speaking of letters, I do, so I like, I like little get to know you moments. And I do wonder... What was your so? What was your favorite subject in school growing up? I'm mm. gonna say specifically high school because that tends to be where subjects are. Yeah, <laughs> English. Aha. Uh -huh. But not the grammar part. Say more. I do not like having to figure out all the grammatical yeah. like perfections of yeah. sentence structures and all that. But I loved reading. Mm. I loved writing. Okay. So. Literature. I like okay. that side of it. What about you? Mine was English as well. Um, when we're talking about like the the various subjects, and it was like English-ish. <laughs> like I liked. I did like pieces of it. Um, I tended. I would tend to do well um, in English. Like I was pretty good at spelling and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the other ones. Math was my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Which side is the brain? Like math is which side of the brain? Oh, that's gonna be. Which one is it? <laughs> like left side is like like artsy and creative. One. No. Let right side is. Right side right is side. that. Yeah, because the left-handed people tend to be more creative and such. That's such a like stereotype. <laughs> Gosh. I do tell left-handed people I expect creativity from okay. them. Okay. And many times. It happens. They just feed right into the stereotype. Yes. Right brained Yes. Okay. See, I said it. Left brain is analytical and methodical. Whoa. I'm ambidextrous. So your left brain is really small. <laughs> like that part of your... <laughs> did you it's just... Shriveled. Did you just... Shriveled. You decided that for me? Yeah, it's like it's like a raisin. Wow. <laughs> wow, shots fired. Shots fired. No, that would be my brain. Because I, I am not an analytical... Yeah. Well, you are analytical. What? Yeah. No. I'm not mathematical. Okay, that's fair. So. <laughs> okay, so lowercase, capital, case. I'm making, <laughs> I'm making up words capital now. Case. Capital case. If you have. See, this is my problem. If you have an uppercase. Uppercase. If you have an uppercase letter and then a lowercase letter, like what changes it? Because I feel like I think about text language. Like when you text someone and you're using capital letters, you are yelling. True. Right? And when you're using, did you know that? Like that's like a thing. Yeah, yeah. All caps. Right. All, yeah. Like, and people even say that when they're speaking, all caps. Right? But yeah. if it's lowercase, it's just. 
this is normal conversation. How how specific are you when you text? Do you do you like put punctuation at the end of your text? Absolutely not. Oh gosh, like, don't be you're gross. one of those types. I use dot 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 <laughs> sometimes. No, I have to. You sometimes you have to. It does change the meaning if you don't hmm. use it to some degree. Yeah. I'm not a fan. But I will do it. What? What? What is that? There's just, a lot of judgment it's sloppy. here. It's sloppy. <laughs> it's sloppy. There's sloppy. Text. You should use punctuation when you. When text. I text you, do you understand what I'm saying? I kind of roll my eyes a little <laughs> bit. So here's the thing, people. The purpose of words and even the grammar nismisms is for um, to communicate and for people to understand. If people understand, then you have successfully communicated. If they don't understand, then you can correct. Okay. Is that fair? It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Reluctantly. But to your point, like, so capital R's, yeah. lowercase R's, mm. um, they, they can mean different things. Right. And one of the things you've not, you and I have been talking about these days is, is sort of the, I would say it's a controversy even over how to define racism. Mm. And it seems to me that how you define racism significantly shapes a lot of times how you're responding to racism mm -hmm. in, our, in our society. Don't right. you think so? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So what is the dictionary definition of racism? You have that? I don't. Lauren, what's a dictionary definition of racism? What would you theorize it to be, Sean, if you could give your... If non, I could theorize? Your non-analytical non version. Racism would be a way that you are discriminating mm -hmm. against uh, another person based on gender, ethnicity, um, orientation. status, orientation, mm -hmm. all those types of things. And, and there, this is where it gets a little fuzzy for me, mm -hmm. but there's some type of, you are predisposed to treat a person a certain way based on, on, um, some negative view that you have of that person's beliefs, gender, status, orientation, all that. Mm -hmm. You give me yours. I'll look it up. <laughs> no, we have more. Lauren, what did you find? Ready? Yeah, ready. It. Prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, mm. typically one that is a minority or marginalized. Uh, Got it. Okay. That was pretty intense. That was good. Okay, well, so here's the question. Mm -hmm. Here's the question. Yeah, I yeah. don't even know that we, we've gotten into this. Do you think, is is everyone born a racist, in your opinion? Ooh, I feel like that was so tricky that you said that. Um, born one? Hmm. Not, no, no. 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 Is what every, about you? Do okay, you think okay, that? that's good. So that's, that's question A. <laughs> Wait, answer. Questions. I don't think everyone's born a okay, racist. Okay. You think some people are? No, I don't think it I don't think anyone <laughs> is born a racist. Okay. Question B. As adults, let's say so that's birth. Okay. Is every adult a racist? In every country and culture? In the whole world. In the whole world. In in the whole world. <laughs> um, I don't think so. 
um, all over the world. I think there are various forms of discrimination across like the world because there's people in homogenous society, so it's hard to be racist as far as um, discrimination in that regard. Um, but I do think that people learn to discriminate based on whatever they've learned to discriminate against, whether it's like your cultural society media stuff, um, your familial stuff, um, your own interactions with certain people groups, and then you can, then you start to decide like if you, and, and sometimes, you know, not overtly, sometimes covertly even, or subconsciously you start to like put people in these boxes based on your experiences right. with them. So. Okay, so it seems to me like Early on, when I'd say in 2019, when when there were there was the convergence of several tragedies. We talked about this not long ago with Ahmed Aubrey and George Floyd, and I mean there were how many? And even in Florida, a few years before that, mm -hmm. in Sanford. So we've had a lot of of opportunity to enter into this conversation. But what I have often found is that um, especially among my white friends, that when you get into the topic of, of racism, there's usually a resistance among white people mm -hmm. to, th there's an uncomfortability to talk about their discrimination, mm -hmm. stereotypes, mm -hmm. predispositions, all of those things. And I think what I found early on is it's partly because a lot of white people, I mean, nobody wants to be labeled a racist, mm -hmm. right? I right. mean, that's just an awful label. And and it seems like we've, we've basically gotten fuzzy over what the definition is. Right. And so what helped me through something you sent me some weeks ago was this whole idea you can google it everybody out there just google capital r racism what is the difference between capital r mm. racism and lowercase racism yeah. that actually helped me a lot what did you find what i found was that basically the common understanding out there is capital r racism would be the type of things like the Ku Klux Klan, mm -hmm. overt white supremacy, mm -hmm. um, even things like what you found in World War II around Nazi ideology. All of that is like capital R mm -hmm. racism. Burning across saying the N-word. All of those things, mm -hmm. right. And so it seems like when you start talking about racism, Naturally, and it's not even a wrong thing, it, it, it's logical. Most white people would say, well, I don't do any of those things, so I'm not a racist. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is the conversation gets shut down mm -hmm. because there's no longer room to mm -hmm. talk about the ways that we all struggle with unconscious bias, implicit bias, stereotypes, all those type of things. And so what I really appreciated in some of the reading I've done in recent months is diving more so into the lowercase r racism. Mm -hmm. You had a great list earlier that you were reading from of just some of the types of practical examples of ways that even if we're uncomfortable admitting them, 
we would say, yeah, I am guilty of that from time to time, or that stuff does sneak into my vocabulary, or I do see it in my work practices sometimes. Why don't you read some of that list? It's pretty, yeah. pretty good, pretty so, long. It is, it's quite extensive. Um, it's like a, it's a, it's like this triangle. Um, I would kind of call this like an iceberg, right? So like above the surface would be more of the uh, overt racism. So racist jokes, blackface, the N-word, hate crimes, lynching, um, racial slurs, burning crosses, etc. That would be all capital R. That's capital R. Lowercase r, more covert, socially acceptable um, would be people who would say I'm colorblind, um, white silence, um, white parent self-segregating neighborhoods. Wait, let's let's talk about these. Which ones? Let's start with, with white silence. Let's start with colorblindness. Yeah. Okay. You and I were in a meeting recently where it was a, a group of community leaders, mm-hmm. and we were talking mostly about mostly white. Mostly white. Mm-hmm. We were talking about racial conciliation, reconciliation in our mm-hmm. community. What mm-hmm. are some things that we need yeah. to start working on? Yeah. And there was somebody who sat mostly quiet through the meeting, but mm-hmm. towards the end, this was this was a white person. They couldn't help but kind of jump in mm-hmm. and and kind of try to defend themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. That in so many words, they said that they don't see color, mm-hmm. which I think for some of us who have been in these these kinds of conversations for either a few years or for others a lifetime it's shocking at first you're like wait a minute how do people really still think that but it's actually still common isn't it mm-hmm. yeah I think it's people trying it's a, they're trying to be kind in saying that like um, like me not seeing it means I'm not racist because if I did see it then I'd be racist like that's kind of the, the, the notion here um, I'm trying not to be unkind even how I described that but I'm pretty sure I was um yeah so I think that's the is that would you yeah yeah it's an attempt to say I see you as a human Mm -hmm. I don't see you as a color right like I didn't even notice your color people have said that to me like I didn't even notice that you were black which then it's just weird and I'm like you didn't notice but every time you want to mention something about black people how you help them or you help the children or you help uh uh you tell me. Right. And so you notice that I'm black. Um, it's what you do with that, right? Like there's a there's a beauty of embracing our differences, right? Like I notice this man is Asian. That's so dope. I'm not then going to be like, well, why don't you teach me karate? Do you know a math problem? Like that's team too much, right? But can I just embrace the beauty of the fact that he's Asian and I'm not? And I love <laughs> our Asian cultures. Um you know, but like, and and if I want to ask questions because I actually know this person, that's really awesome. Um, or just like appreciate yourness, right? right? Um, but I can see you. Um, it doesn't stop me, right? Like, or it doesn't give me pause. It doesn't give me reservations about you. Um, those are the things that I think will lead you into the racism, right? Like, it's like I can see your color, but it doesn't stop me, right? Like that part. Well, I, I know I've been guilty of this before. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know when, but some some point in my life, I'm sure I, I have said to somebody, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. 
that shifted as you as I began to understand and appreciate that people of color have such great culture and rich identity that they associate with their culture that when you either cross that out or try to pretend like you're colorblind, mm -hmm. you're actually not valuing what makes that person who they are. And mm -hmm. so if, if listeners are tuning in today and that might be something that they think or find themselves saying, it's one of those phrases that's, that's probably good to eliminate. It's a word that- And by probably. <laughs> Unless you actually suffer from colorblindness, which is an actual thing. It is a thing. Yeah, You're right. Real. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So, so colorblindness is one of those things that we just need to stop. Yeah. And also, I don't want to like rag on this person um, who we were talking about, but that person also then talked about the fact that, you know, on their staff, it was all white people and they would feel bad to then seek out a person of color in order to di diversify their staff, they feel like that would be racist. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah, I do. I do think that it's easy for for white people who feel threatened by being intentional mm. in in engaging and including people of color into meetings what this person was saying and and there is a part of it which i i i appreciate what they're trying to mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. which is if i want to invite a group of people into a meeting to talk about subject x i just look for whoever i know that would be good at that subject and if they all happen to be white then that's who it's more genuine and more authentic for me to just pick who I think knows the subject best. What it does is it overlooks the fact that it could be that you only know white people, that you actually don't have a diverse group of friends and, and associates that you can draw from. And so it's, it's actually just by default easier on you and you're, you're not being intentional at all. You're just picking based on the same pool of people mm -hmm. that you happen to know. Yeah, from, from that particular, and I wanted to respond, but we didn't have time. Um, so I'm responding now, no. <laughs> um, but what, what was concerning for me is I have heard that narrative multiple times, and it is that of you don't actually see the value of having diverse thoughts, opinions, experience, um, just like the vantage point is going to be different, right? Like if you just have all men in the room and you don't have any women or you have one woman and you're like, well, she will speak on behalf of, okay? Um, so so that it, it, again, it shows, it's not just you saying, because you can say with your words, like, no, we actually do value everyone's opinion and everyone, uh, uh, uh. Um, but based on the action of who's not in the room and how it doesn't actually like make you uncomfortable or or you feel the absence of because you don't actually know what it's like to have the voices plural in that place and space so that you could understand like there's a deep value in diversity right yeah. so again practically speaking mm -hmm. if you are in a position of influence if you are a supervisor if you have opportunities to impact the culture 
that you are helping to shape organizationally mm-hmm. or with your family yeah. or your church or fill in the blank. Right. Really what we should always be doing is not just looking at the closest associates that we have, mm-hmm. especially if those may not have much diversity at all. And especially because in this day and age, we live in such a diverse culture and community. Mm. So every time we make decisions with only one, all, like you said, all men in the room, all women in the room, all ethnicity of the same in the room, mm. we're gonna miss out on so much opinion yeah. and, and critical thought. What else was on that list? <laughs> Let's go back. What was in. the second one? <laughs> Colorblindness was, was at, um, do you remember? I said I did say white silence. Yeah, white silence. Yeah. Just define that. If I were to define it, it would be literally what it says. <laughs> like, if you, because there's people who will be like, man, I don't agree with all the killings, and I do think that's messed up, and blah da da, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wait. Right. To say something or not, or they just don't like, right at all. But they're like, I just don't agree with it, but I'm not gonna say anything because I don't wanna. Right. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but not saying something is saying something. Similar to if if you find yourself among people who are often making ethnic jokes. Right. Either nervously laughing mm-hmm. or in some way participating by not saying something. Right. That would be white silence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, a lot of this, I believe, is based, like, there's a lot of fear-based reactions here. Um, reactions, responses, and not wanting to be uncomfortable, right? Like engaging in a conversation about racism and calling that racist, um, it tends to just be that of like, you're afraid. You're afraid you might be exposed. You're afraid you might get hurt. You're afraid you might sound stupid. Um, All those kind of things, which are not invalid fears. Um, It's just, again, if it stops you, Right. You're allowed to do things even while you're afraid. I recommend it highly. You know, don't wait until you're comfortable. You're like, well, I've read a bunch of books. Now I'm ready to engage. It's like, no, go in ignorant. Go in asking questions to people who are in it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel Hmm. like that's a healthy response. That's good. What else is on your list? Let's see. Um, There's a lot. Um, Eurocentric curriculum. Hmm. Hmm. That's a lot of big words. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about Eurocentric curriculum, Sean? Yeah, that would be that would be in that category of those who are with the power write the history. Boom. You can drop the mic on that yeah. one. So, yeah. So that was really good. So what how do you counteract that? You have to, we, we have to get to a place where we find more integration of, especially when Lauren read that definition earlier of racism, whenever we are at a place where the voices and the history of the minority is either being eliminated, hushed, silenced, that's a problem for us. We're, we're going to miss out and we're going to make very big mistakes over and over again every time we do that. So, so what do you think the fear is of engaging in that though? You think something might happen to Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think we have a comfort level with 
with where we find security and mm. and so anytime tradition whether that's in in songs that we've sung mm. for hundreds of years mm. or it's statues that have been in our parks for oh. decades and decades mm. whatever it is we become we get we do we get fearful because we feel like everything is is changing underneath right. us are you taking something away right i might lose something from it yeah and then again like i think there's an opportunity to lean into what's the other side of that what could you gain from it there's a huge gain right um and sometimes it's an uncomfortable gain but like it's like knowing where your meat comes from which sounds scary and terrifying and disturbing and you might not eat this anymore something like that or you might just be more of an informed consumer right right so that's good sean thanks sean look at you trying we're proud of you i'm trying <laughs> all right here's another one. Oh, where was it mew mew white savior complex mm. i feel like we're doing a quiz so you're, you're yeah yeah you're in it so <laughs> yeah white savior complex would be both in the u.s or even if you think about foreign policy and the way we engage internationally it's whenever we feel like those who are in power can throw money and their ideas at problems mm -hmm. without listening and engaging the people who live in those communities, mm -hmm. who've probably got however many generations deep in mm -hmm. that community. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it stems from the belief that as a society, we're smart enough to figure anything out, get, throw a problem my way, and I've got enough network of people and connections and dollars and resources mm -hmm. that I don't really need to talk to anybody. I can figure out a mm -hmm. solution and hand it right back to you. And if you just put it into practice, everything would be fine. Right. And it I almost can, never works. Well, I can save them or I can save right. you. You can't. You can't save me. I right. can save you. Yeah. And you're welcome. So there's that. Um, so how do you? How do you? How do you speak to people? Because I, I can, I can imagine that we just gave like what three things from this. Like literally, the list maybe has like I don't know over fifty terms on mm -hmm. here of of covert racism that is like fully embedded in our culture. Um, and so it's not necessarily even your fault that it is happening or that you're experiencing it. So what, what do you say to people who are like, it's not my fault or I don't do that or like, why are you attacking white people or like, what, why are you even saying stuff like that? I feel like a lot of times our, our answers come back to a why. Why, why am I motivated to work on a list of 50 plus. I mean, I've got enough things going on mm -hmm. to add, you know, why do I want to add more? It really comes down to so much of what's on that list. It, it really begins to, I can either view it as it's attacking things that I thought I already knew, or I can view it as it's shedding light in areas of my life that 
I want to grow in. And it's not not just because I want to be a better human. I want to have better relationships. Mm. And so if I am going to be commuted, uh, committed to being a better husband, mm-hmm. a better father, a better co-worker, a better neighbor, then I have to commit myself to asking some of those hard questions. I would say one of the things that helped me early on when we were first getting into this a few years ago is, and this is something I would just encourage my white friends who are, are struggling in those first steps, mm-hmm. is don't view a list like that as something that you have to figure out overnight. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like it's something that you've got to explain away. Mm-hmm. Don't try to defend it. But instead, listen to people who have been hurt by those things. Right. And at the end of the day, that's I want to I want to be less hurtful. I want to be more mm. kind. I want to be if I want to be a community builder, I want to engage in those topics. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, and I and I would also challenge um, those who, if you feel even just the slightest bit of resistance in you when you hear these terms, is to ask yourself, what if it's true? And walk that thought through. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Black and White TV. Um, we we constantly want to engage in the listening portion of this, right? We want you to listen. We hope that from listening that you'll learn. We hope that from learning you'll learn how to love better or love well, even yourself as well as others. So thank you again. We'll see you next week. Bye.